It's great to see you guys. If this is your first time at Fathom, I really hope it's an amazing time for you. Uh, we're kind of right here at the end of our, our month of Sabbath. We take the entire month of July. If you can pull that down just a little bit. Um, that we take the entire month of July and just invest it in, um, in the presence of God, really, is what we, we ultimately are investing it in just as much as we possibly can, and really uh, around the principle of Sabbath and what that means in our life. And so we've been kind of going through that process, but uh, you're kind of catching the tail end of it. It's your first time here today, but we just hope it's a great experience for you. We hope you find a community that you can uh, not only grow in faith, but you can grow in family and just a, a real sense of connection and um, and friendship here. Uh, that's what we really want. That's what we see in the Bible as we live out the call of Christ on our life. So uh, I, I got to be honest, when I was a teenager, uh, my first car was a Ford Probe, 93 Ford Probe. Uh, it was funny. There's Maple Street Biscuit Company. Anybody ate there? It's amazing. It's like really good. It's like really close to my house, and I love that place. Uh, but they do like a question of the week, and so how they call out your name is your answer to the question. So like, what's your favorite band? So they'd call out, you know, U2 or whatever your favorite band is. Um, and so that day it was, what was your first car? And I was sitting with a couple of friends, and it just so happened that both of their ca- first cars were amazing. Like one was like a 60-something Mustang, and then the other one was like some like Camaro or something, you know, back in the, in the 90s or 2000s, uh, early 2000s. And, um, and so they both had these really cool cars, and I'm the third guy to get called, and they're like Ford Probe, and I'm just like, that's me with the cool dudes. Uh, I've got the cool 93 Probe with the, the 15-inch chrome wheels. That was me. Um, that's not large. That's just regular size. Um, uh, but with that first car, I think it was my first car. It might have been my, my second car. I got a pretty uh, different car after that. Um, because I blew up my engine, because you apparently have to check and change your oil, especially on older cars. And as a new driver, I wasn't quite aware of this, so I blew up, like, my first engine, um, you know, pretty well. And it's funny, you would think that I I would have grown in my mechanic skills and and knowledge of this stuff, but I really didn't. A couple of weeks ago, we went on vacation, and I left my car with someone, and then within 24 hours, I'm getting a call from him, and it's like, hey, man, did you know uh, your car's running really hot, and, like, I think you're... Um, I think you're you're losing uh, oil somehow. It's either burning off or leaking somewhere. I'm like, fantastic. I thought I just had that replaced or something. And he's like, yeah, also, um, you have no coolant at all. Like, that's why your car's running hot. Did you know your check engine light was on? I'm like, no, I didn't. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, and you should really get your tires rotated, too, and aligned because they're really out of whack. I was like, well then, like, do you want to drive it into the lake or you want me to wait and get back and then I'll drive it into the lake if it's, is it that bad? And uh, so anyway, um, I, I just realized kind of in that whole scenario is really this whole month of Sabbath. I think that's what Sabbath is, is it's once a, a week where we just take our car into the shop and say, God, what's been going on here? It's where we stop all of our busyness and striving and we just stop and rest and say, God, before I blow up my engine, before I run this thing out, I just want to stop and like tell me what's been going on, like that my identity's in you and that you can perfect all of my alignment issues. You can make sure that I'm not running too hot because when we don't have breathing room in our life, when we don't have relational breathing room, when there's you know, too many people crowded in, or, or we don't have anyone close to us, or if we're working too hot of a schedule and, and, and don't have enough time to rest. If we don't have enough financial breathing room, we run really hot, and we're careful. If we're not careful, we'll blow up the engine of our lives, and I've, I've been very close to that point, I feel like, in my life, um, and thankfully never 
never blew it up, but lots of engines blown up. There's other engines uh, and blow-up stories, but I'll tell those at another date. Uh, we'll save that for another time. And uh, Today, I really want to hone in uh, as, as we kind of finalize this, this chapter of Sabbath. We do this every July, for those of you that are new to Fathom. We're going to do this every single July as kind of a reset button um, for the second half of our year. Just We have January for the first half of the year, and then July is going to kind of be that reset button for the second half of our year. And so um, today I really want to hone in in this last uh, message on, on Sabbath on how it, it, uh, it has to do with our identity. And, and when God instilled the principle of Sabbath on the people of Israel, he, he was saying more to them than just take a day off. But last week, as we looked at, that he was, ta- he was leading them into a relationship of trust in which when he, he freed them from slavery, they would stay free. And, and not only that, but today we're going to look at identity and how our identity, Sabbath, is helping to not only shape our identity, but just drill, what, I'll, what I'll call drill down into our identity in Christ. And so we're going to look at that. Let me ask you a question. The first thing that you say to someone when you first meet them, maybe you're meeting some people for the first time today, what, you know, what's, the, what's, the, what's your lead-off? You, know, you usually have a lead-off, like, yeah, you know, I'm a... I'm a dad, and you know I've got you know these kids, or, or, or uh, you know I'm um, I, I work this job, or, or I do this, or you know I'm from here. This is where I'm from. What's what's your lead off? I, because we all have a, a lead off, and, and as a pastor, it's always weird for me. You would think I'm like, hey, I'm a pastor, but that's usually the last thing I want to tell people because it gets really awkward after that. I think I've talked about that. Um, but it gets really awkward, so I really try to hold that card. I feel like I'm Batman sometimes. I'm just waiting for the right time to come out, of, you know, with my cool weapons or something. Um, but um, I just really like Batman, so I slide a reference in any time I can. Um, no, but I think we all have this lead offline with our identity, and that's usually how we define ourselves many times. So, um, you know, we'll just have, that'll be kind of our lead off. And then slowly but surely, we're like an onion, you, you'll kind of, some of us, it takes a couple of weeks that they can really get to know who you are, your story. Some of us, people can know you for years, and that onion still has not peeled any layers back. But ultimately, what I want us to do is drill down past all of the layers and fronts of this physical realm that we put on ourselves, um, and really drill down into the depth of what it means to have our identity founded in Christ and, and founded in, in a, a real relationship with God. And that's what we're going to see in the people of Israel. And, and so, again, we've been kind of trekking through their story. And so if you've got some real specific questions, you know, about Sabbath and why we do it like we do, like the first message of the series online, you can catch that. And last week we really looked at Exodus 16, um, which we'll talk about more here in just a second uh, on trust. But today it's going to be about identity and so as opposed to really kind of moving forward, I want to re- hit reverse, rewind, and get this really key, like let's hit a flashback moment, because last time we were kind of post-redemption um, for the people of Israel. They've been in slavery for 400 years, uh, hundreds of years, centuries, generation upon generation. Your grandparents and their grandparents were all in slavery. So our identity was slavery. And so I want to, I want to kind of rewind and do a little bit of a flashback in their life before we fast forward even further past where we were last week. So let's go to um, uh, uh, Exodus chapter 6, and what we're going to see is God saying something to Moses, who, who's the spokesperson for Jesus, even though he had a speech impediment and stuttered, so his brother kind of came alongside of him. So all you people um, that have speech impediments or, or, or something like that, like here's your man, like Moses, like he gets you. Like he, he's been there and done that, and God still used him in incredible ways. So therefore say to the Israelites, I'm the Lord. 
and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will, flee, I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. That's what we see with the plagues that will come in to play as God uses uh, these ten plagues to release them from captivity. I will take you, and this is the key line, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of Egyptians. Highlight that verse for me. Verse 7, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. He's saying, look, I know there's some other people like, that are doing some like, other things around you, and everybody's going to want to have a king, but like, I want to I be your God. I want you to be my people. I want you to be unique in your identity. I want you to be holy because I'm holy. Holy simply means set apart, different. I want you to reflect me. I want, to, I want you to be unique. I'm going to use you. And, and it's continuing on the covenant that God had made with Abraham centuries before. And so this is kind of this statement of identity is, I want, you, I want to be your God and I want you to be my people, I think is what kind of sets the table. And I think going forward, so let's hit the fast forward button. Any, any of you guys that do TiVo or the DVR thing in my house, like when it's time and someone's not paying attention, we just go boop, boop, boop. And that's like, that's the boop, boop, boop. So let's boop, boop, boop um, to a little bit and go forward to where we were last week in Exodus chapter 16. And remember we talked about this is the time where it's a month out from them kind of crossing the Red Sea that God had miraculously parted for them. They've crossed this and now they're a month living on the land. Like life has been, and, and they're kind of reflecting back like, I kind of wish we were back there. I wish we would have just died there because it was a little bit easier because we didn't have to trust God in that scenario. Someone brought our food. Someone told us when to work, what to do, and now what? And some of you may be in that place in your life where either you're still in slavery or, or um, whatever that might look like in your life, and, and, or maybe you're in this place of just wondering. Maybe you've been kind of redeemed and delivered from that, but now you're in a place like, okay, what now, God? What now? And that's where Israel was in Exodus 16. And God begins, he says, I'm going to take care of you. There's going to be this crisp bread that's kind of really sweet in the morning. And they called it manna, which just means what is it? Because I didn't know what it was, this weird stuff covering the ground. But it gave them something sweet to start the day, to remind them that God's going to take care of us. And then at night, he, he covered the ground with quail. And there was going to be something um, substantive. And there was going to be something of substance to help them rest at night. Something sweet in the morning, something su- with substance in the evening. Very, very powerful stuff. So God was, through that, he was saying, look, I just didn't free you, but I want to also keep you free. And in order to do that, you've got to trust me. Like in order, like some of you have come out of it, like you're developing a life of trust and that's not easy for, uh, for the people of Israel. It wasn't easy the first time because they didn't trust him and they wanted to keep as much food for themselves and it was filled with maggots because they wouldn't trust God. Sometimes our lives get filled with maggots because we don't trust. And so moving on from there, that's Exodus 16 and I'll hit the boop boop two times and we go to Exodus chapter 20 and this is a, 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 an area we're very familiar with and we find the Ten Commandments here. Some of you are, will be familiar with these, some of you but there's 10 of them. I, I know everybody's probably got that much. The first three are really have to do with our relationship with God. Things like God said, don't have any other gods before me. Like, I, I want to be your God. I, I, wanna, I want you to be my people. I don't want anybody else, any other kind of worship going on. I don't want you to create idols so you think that you can come into a service and worship me for a second and then think that I'm not in your bedroom too. He also, he also said, uh, don't have gods before me. He said, don't misuse my name. And he said, don't, 
don't put my stamp of approval on stuff that I have nothing to do with. Like, don't put my stamp of approval on your works. I want you to get involved with what I'm doing. And so then we have this one, we hit, hit the number four, and it's remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Keep it holy. So let's come back to that in just a second. But five through ten are all to do with our relationship with others. Honor mom and dad. Don't steal stuff. You know, don't have sticky fingers. Don't be killing people because I care about every single person. There's, all, there, there's these six other ones here. But, but the fourth is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And it's, it, God gives more instruction on that than anything else. More than kill. Like that's pretty straightforward. Don't do it. You know, but he wanted to be really sure, and, and I think it was very, like, over kind of, um, um, you know, explain it to them so that they would understand the importance of it. And that's what we find there in Exodus chapter 20. So he says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, because I want you to be holy like me. And through the Sabbath, God is keeping us holy. So let's boop boop one more time, and we go to Exodus chapter 23. So we've gone from Exodus 6 to Exodus 16. 20, and now we're in chapter 23, and so we're just kind of zooming through their story, and this is where the kind of the ante gets upped for the people. Like, they've gone on for a little bit now, and like trusted God with this weekly Sabbath in which they stop and rest and, and are reminded that God is our provision, both spiritually and physically. And we come here, and God's going to up the ante. Let's read it, and we'll digest it. For six years, you're to sow your fields and harvest the crops. But during the seventh year, let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among your people may get food from it, and the wild animals may eat what is left. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. Six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and so that the slave born in your household and the foreigner living among you may be refreshed. Repent then and turn to God. Well, actually, rewind. Rewind just a second. So God's telling them, okay, I don't just want this one day, but literally on the seventh year, I want you to trust me for an entire year. Like, okay, things just got really legit. Like, God, I understand taking a day off, but like, how many would like to take a year off? Like, sound good? Like, you're just ready? Like, you're 20 and you're ready for a sabbatical? Like, you're ready for like, you're retiring or something? Um, Yeah, he... He's saying, I, I, this is going to be deeper. Like, this is going to take more trust than what you were before. And really what I think he was saying is, I, I want you to be known among the people, that you are provided not in just for a day, but like for a lifetime. Like, there is a, your God will prove himself. And remember in that, that verse 6, that through his mighty outstretched arm, he was going to prove himself, not just in that judgment um, there with the Egyptians, but on forward and through their, their life. And so that's what we see in this. And if you look at um, this line right here, and the foreigner living among you may be refreshed. There's so many purposes, I feel like, into this, but we look to the Acts passage here in Acts chapter 3, and, and we see something very similar. Repent then, turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped down. The times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you even Jesus. And so I think what this kind of matches up, the same idea of refreshing. And I think that's what Sabbath is. It is there's the, I think there's these five purposes in this year of Sabbath. And, and so if you'll throw these up, I don't have time to just dig into them a whole lot, but throw these five up real quick if you have those. 
to, here's the reasons for, I believe, the Sabbath year. To maintain equality and condition among all, all the people. That he wanted, you know, poor to have a chance, a fighting chance to, to get uh, through in life. To inspire people to make it their duty to give rest and nourishment to all people, including the slave, stranger, and poor. Some people look at the Bible, like the, the Bible, like, you know, does slavery. God was constantly bringing slaves to, I mean, to the point where we see just this progression by, in the New Testament, a book called Philemon, and, and God's telling um, uh, or Paul is actually instructing someone, saying, hey, you better treat him as your brother in Christ. Like, he's, he's working for you, and you better treat him like he's your brother. And so God is constantly raising that for the, both this foreigner and the, and the poor. So I think there's a lot for us to be looking at this as we look in our lives. So to accustom people to submit and trust in the divine for extraordinary provision. To detach their affections from earthly and perishable things toward the heavenly. It's easy to not care about things when you realize, or when you realize you don't need them. So, like some of us, that we, we feel like we couldn't live on a certain income. Like if God told us, like don't work for a year, we couldn't live on that. Well, you probably could live a lot more than what you think you could. You probably could live on a lot less than what you think you could. He's wanting to detach their affections from the earthly and perishable things and toward the heavenly with this, and to show them God's reign over the land and country that he was going to provide for them. He was going to bring enough in that sixth year and over that time, and, and different, you know, different Jews went on differently about this. Some of them kind of stored up throughout that six years, and, and it was just like, hey, we're going to do this, and, and we're just going to trust God, and there's, hey, like, put some back for that time when God tells you to take some time and take a vacation, get some breathing room in your life, just save up for it, and don't say, no, I can't do it, God, can't do it. Well, he's, he's instructed us to discipline ourselves and, and live on, on less, I think, and detach from our affections, earthly, perishable things, and toward the heavenly. So you can, you can clear that off. But I think there's a lot to that. And, and so I would just ask you, what if, what if you, whatever it is that was your one-liner about your identity, when someone says, hey, I'm so-and-so, who are you? Whatever your one-liner is, what if you had to stop that for a year? What if you had to stop working? What if even moms and dads, like what if, God forbid, but like you lost them? Husbands and wives, God forbid, but what if you lost them? Whatever your job might be, what if you lost it? Your business could shut down. Microsoft just laid off like 1,100 people and technology is booming. We all know that. An industry can evaporate, a job can evaporate very quickly. And what your identity was pointed in, you, you, what now? Where's my identity now? And when I talk about drilling down into your identity, that's, that's the depth of, I believe, what God is doing in this. He's like, look, for an entire year, I want you to stop doing everything and just be refreshed in my presence and others to be refreshed in my presence. I want you to be a people that are known among the nations as unique in trusting me and in relationship with me and that I'm providing for you. And God is wanting to do that in our lives. And he's wanting us to drill down that our spirits may be refreshed. And so for some of us, you know, it, it may look, you know, very differently than others. We're all in different places with this. You may have been in a place for a while where you haven't had work. You haven't had work, so you haven't had anything to fill in the blank with. Like, this is what I do to kind of talk about that, because really we don't want to talk about this. What's deep down into the onion? We're not ready to talk about that. That happens over time. 
You know, so whatever it is, it's drilling down that our identity is in Christ. And that no matter what happens in this life, that our identity is founded in him and it's rooted and built up. I want to look at a passage in Colossians chapter 2 that I think just illuminates this more and more. Colossians chapter 2. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him. Rooted, like drilling down, built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. I see this so much like of what God's trying to say through the Sabbath year and our identity resting in him is that we would be rooted and built up in that time, that we would be refreshed and strengthened while some may be kind of uh, thinking that, okay, we're going to get weaker or, or we're going to you know, run out of food, which they had done and God provided the manna and the quail for them. He's saying over and over again, I want you to be rooted and built up in me with faith and with gratitude for what you have. Let's continue. See to it that no one takes you captive, captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental uh, spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. God is wanting our identity to be found in him, to be rooted in him, that we might experience what it means to be brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave us all our sins. A few more verses. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. He was saying all this that, that happened with Israel and the law, it, it was just leading us to Christ. That there is purpose in that. Like if you've ever like wondered, like, God, why did you let all this? There's purpose. It was to lead us to Christ, that we might understand that the fullness of the deity rests in him. And for us to know that these things are a shadow, and they're foreshadowing all we talk about Sabbath. It's about finding our identity in Christ as we learn to rest in him. And so my prayer for us today is that we would learn to stop. We learn to stop. We learn to rest. Delight in the Lord that tells us to take a year off, to take a day off, to rest in him for a lifetime that our identity might be founded. And, and during this time, we contemplate. So I look back at the Acts passage, and it says, repent, repent. I think this is a time where I see the check engine light, and I look back, and I, and I say, God, forgive me. I, I've been working like it depended on me. My whole mindset has been, man, i got to do this, i got to do that, and my spirit's not rested. I'm taking the day off, but my spirit, my heart is not at rest my, and I'm not contemplating. I just pick up something else. When you tell me to put this down, I pick that up. 
I pray that today our, our identity in Christ would be rooted and built up and strengthened in that faith with all gratitude and thankfulness for what it means to truly rest in Christ. As we stop, I pray that, pray that our, our soul may be refreshed and our identity be rooted in the presence of the Lord. I, I kind of did a little humble bragging last week. Um, some of you may remember if you were here. did some humble bragging. I said, at the beginning of our journey, um, I just didn't have any fear. I, like, it was weird for people to ask and say, hey, are you afraid? I'm like, no, I'm not afraid of anything. And I wasn't lying. I really wasn't. It's like, I'm not afraid. God's given me such a passion and purpose in this that I'm not afraid. But I want to come today and, and be honest with you, and I've shared this, some of this before, that this past winter, I, my heart was afraid, and my heart was in turmoil. Like, my, I had moments of doubt of, like, God, what are you doing in this? What are you doing in me? And frankly, some of that hurt. I felt like the people of Israel and that God, like, hey, I kind of want to depend on what I can do. And God was just, just hammering deeper and deeper and down to my spirit, be rooted in me. Kind of all came to a pinnacle and a release, if you will, um, when I was talking to a mentor of mine. And God had been just kind of, I feel like, miraculously opened a couple of teachings to me on something around this that when I learned to stop, and this is why I couldn't stop, some of my workaholic stuff that I've confessed about, why I couldn't stop, it was because when I stopped working, where was my identity? I couldn't find my identity. I just put my identity in what I put my hands to and not my identity in the one that I've given my heart to. And that's simply where I was, and God was just hammering down. And so if you're in a place right now, maybe where I'm at, or maybe you're not, maybe you're on, like, the mountain, things are amazing. I'd encourage you even more. Like, pound it in, because, like, you don't stay on the mountain forever. Like, there will be a valley. There's times and seasons for everything. And, like, drill down and, and, and let God just connect that, that root to Christ and your identity in him. Because there may be a, a, a day where whatever it is that your one-liner, your opener, is gone. Whatever you've put your identity in is gone. And now where are you? And now who are you? But when, when our identity is in Christ, like it's only going to be confirmed and, and strengthened even in the midst of a storm, even in the midst of a valley, that our, our identity is just slowly and, or, or continually and continually just being rooted and founded in him. And so I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're going through, but I know that God loves you. He does, and like maybe that's too simple for you, but maybe you just need to hear it. He loves you immensely, like more than whatever you could think or imagine. He, he is in love with you, and I believe that God is wanting to draw us deeper and deeper into his presence, that we may be refreshed, that Sabbath would not just be a month, it wouldn't just be a day, it'd be a lifestyle of, of resting in who God is. It would be of our souls being refreshed, not just taking the day off and not working with our hands, but our souls finding peace with the God who created us and who freed us from slavery and brought us into the trust and redemption that he's given us. I want to invite you to stand with me today. And we're going to take some time to worship here. And I just pray that through it, you would allow God to just cement your identity firmly in the God who loves you and created you today. During this time, like if there's some of you in the house, like, and 
your world's been turned upside down, and, or maybe right now you just feel God like tugging and, and you need someone to join with you in prayer, I think there'll be some folks over here and I'll be over here and, and just have a time to have some people pray with you and talk with you. We love that opportunity. So I invite you during this song, just come as you are and, uh, and receive prayer. Um, and I want to pray with you as we kind of go into this time of worship, if you'll bow your heads with me. God, I thank you that you are good. That it's not always easy, but God, you are always good. And that today we can find ourselves just deeply rooted in a God who loves us, in your presence. God, I pray that today you would draw us closer and closer. Today I pray that we would stand and we would charge towards you, not to work, but to rest, God. We'd understand that Sabbath was created for us. It's for us, God, that our souls may be refreshed. The people around us might see that refreshment and glorify our Father in heaven. God, I pray that those souls that are being stirred today and drawn, I pray that you would cement the work you're doing and seal it with the kiss of your love, God. And we give you praise for it. In Christ's holy name.